Chapter Twenty Five of the Real Oscar Wilde by Robert Sherard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It is a curious psychological fact that Oscar Wilde's downfall and disgrace did not alter in the slightest degree the feelings of his friends towards him. The mere circumstance that a man has been in prison usually creates around him, whatever one's own opinion of his guilt or responsibility may be, an aura to whose repelling power one involuntarily succumbs. I have known several men and women who have got into trouble, and whom I have visited in jail, whom, when I afterwards met them, I could not regard with the same respect as before they were imprisoned. I had this absurd feeling about Madame Clovis Hugues, the wife of the poet-deputy, who went to Saint-Lazare for shooting a private inquiry agent of a particularly contemptible species, named Morin, and, even more curiously, the gallant Marquis de Moret, for whom I had great personal affection and a strong admiration, always seemed to me in some way besmirched and tainted after I had seen him in the Santé prison, where I frequently visited him and neither of these people were ever under charges which the french call infamante while as to the charges against wilde society knows none more full of disgrace in despite of this the fact that he had done two years made absolutely no difference not only in our conduct but in our innermost feelings towards him as far as i am concerned i might explain this mental attitude of mine by my appreciation of the french poet's line that it is the crime and not the scaffold which makes for disgrace but that would not afford a sufficient explanation for neither in the case of madame hugh nor of de moret did i admit any criminality and yet i felt differently towards them and though i saw both these prisoners in jail i had not seen them under degrading circumstances moret received me in the governor's office and was dressed like any gentleman in the morning madame hugues received me in the parloir of saint lazare and was in her usual clothes wild i had seen behind bars on several occasions in a kind of rabbit hutch with trellis wire over the front of it dressed in a hideous and repulsive costume and disfigured as to his face by not being shaved and as to his hands by the condition of disfigurement and maculation to which they had been brought by the barbarous tasks to which he had been forced so that while there was nothing degrading to remember about either madame hugues or de moret one could not but recall in wilde's presence the conditions under which one had seen him in prison well yet one never felt that these degrading conditions had in any way degraded him one remembered him only as figuring in a grotesque role in the tragedy of life and with no more feeling of detraction or compassion than if one had remembered him in some realistic costume at a fancy dress ball when shortly after his release from prison i received from him from berneval an invitation to go over and see him his letter gave me as much pleasure and seemed as much an honour as if those two years had never been i naturally went over at once and it was outside a cafe by the old harbour in dieppe that i met him again as a free man i confess that my first impression was one of disappointment he was carelessly dressed 
and he wore a tamashanta cap which did not suit him at all his face was flushed and over the men by whom he was surrounded at that terrace table hovered an atmosphere of absinthine hilarity as a matter of fact during the period between his arrival at dieppe and my meeting with him there he had not been living very wisely there had been banquets to minor french poets invited en bloc from paris and other revelries and the people who were with him such as condor and smithers were counsellors neither of discretion nor of prudence but that impression was only momentary and when he had got away from dieppe that provincial metropolis of la haute noce he showed himself quite a different man and it was there that i at last realised how much prison had done for him both physically and morally he was genial and kindly and alert and the man who told carson that he never walked had become fond of long pedestrian excursions in the neighbourhood and of other exercise also i remember watching him swim with great vigour his reacquired taste for riding and later on in italy he went out often on horseback is another sign that prison had galvanised into life his torpid muscular system lord alfred douglas talks about the breezy brotherly beautiful berneval days and implies that all of wilde's friends lived there with him as long as his funds lasted having a good time there is as little truth in this statement as there is in most of his amazing book already a very short time after his release from prison wilde was financially embarrassed robert ross gives two delightful letters from him written one from dieppe on first june eighteen ninety seven about ten days after his release from prison and the other from rome three years later letters which give us the real oscar wilde with all his wit and courage and bonhomie and erudition these letters appear at the end of the selected prose volume which was published by methuen at one shilling in nineteen fourteen the rome letter by the way opens with a sentence which illustrates that brain paralysis of which i spoke higher up i simply cannot write he says it is too horrid not of me but to me it is a mode of paralysis a cacoethes tecendi the one form that malady takes in me it is however to the dieppe letter that i wish to refer it is here that he announces his intention of living at berneval and he adds lower down as regards people living on me and the extra bedrooms dear boy there is no one who would stay with me but you and you will pay your bill at the hotel for meals and as for your room the charge will be nominally two francs fifty centimes a night but there will be lots of extras such as bougie bain and hot water and all cigarettes smoked in the bedrooms are charged extra and if any one does not take the extras of course he is charged more bath twenty-five centimes no bath fifty centimes cigarette in the bedroom ten centimes a cigarette no cigarette in the bedroom twenty centimes for each cigarette this is the system in all good hotels people who went over to berneval to visit him took their meals at the hotel these were rather dear 
dear even for dieppe in the season but monsieur melmoth had been very lavish during his first days there and the landlord had been spoiled if i had only three guests like monsieur melmoth he told me i should have a good season i was not well off at the time and so perforce my visit to my friend was of the briefest i did not sleep more than three nights under the roof of wilde's villa and i have not the faintest notion what douglas intends to suggest about wilde's friends there we were annoyed by the presence in the village of an obvious detective supposed to be in the pay of lord queensbury this detective was the only disturbing element there wilde never spoke of any literary projects i do not think that any allusion was made to the ballad of reading jail and there was only a general idea that in response to a verbal invitation extended to him by a theatrical manager who had come over from london he would as soon as he could settle down begin work on a play he was in high spirits and only very occasionally showed that some bitterness had infiltrated into the benignity of his sweet disposition he showed no resentment whatever about the detective but seemed rather to pity him chacun son métier he said and he certainly never showed that he suffered from his position as was revealed in that letter which he wrote to smithers from naples some months later where after complaining that certain people to whom he had written had left his letter unanswered he adds the fact is that when a man has had two years hard labour people quite naturally treat him as a pariah dog this is a social truth that i realise every day i don't complain about it there is no use complaining about facts je constate la fée c'est tout it comes from the decay of the imagination in the race caused by the pressure of an artificial society and after all when my own wife leaves me to die of starvation in naples without taking the smallest interest in the matter i don't see why i should expect old friends to take the trouble to even answer or acknowledge my letters but let us return to the poem there's life in art take refuge there says goethe slightly misquoted the bitterness did not seem to be provoked by any recollection of what he had suffered of his wasted years and the injustice of it all but by the feeling of conviction that many people for whose opinion he did care might refuse any further association with him consider him in fact to use his own words as a pariah dog i remember how pleased he was when i related to him how i had been with meredith and henry james shortly after he was sent to prison and with what sympathy he had been spoken about sympathy devoid of all dissertation i confess that i did not see any signs then of the cacoethes tokendi of which he speaks but i imagined that though he could make all the money he chose by writing it would be difficult for him to write under his own name or even under any pseudonym that might connect the work with him i was mistaken as was shown by the way in which the public rushed for the ballad meanwhile there had been published in london an anonymous novel or rather a prolonged short story which was skilfully advertised in a roundabout way as being the work of oscar wilde and which jumped into immediate success it is true that the book was of its kind a very clever one a literary gem indeed 
but it is certain that but for the story about its authorship its chances of attracting attention the publishers being only in a very small way of business without influence on the reviewers would have been very slight indeed wilde never spoke to me about his financial position i understood that he had an income settled on him it was not until i heard douglas's counsel in the ransom trial ridiculing the amount the two pounds seventeen odd a week that i knew how little it was but even had i known it i should have felt no anxiety for i knew how easily he could work and the kind of work he could do and the prices that he ought to be able to command there was nothing to show the paralysis of which he speaks the brain exhaustion and certainly his letters written at the time as for instance the one of first june to robert ross from which i have quoted a passage show him as witty as alert as amusing as ever there is little more pathetic in his afterlife than his efforts to discipline himself he has lost the taste of work as the french say and he wants to school himself back into productivity he thinks as many unhappy writers have thought before him that if he can get some regular hack work to perform he may be able to serve over again an apprenticeship to the pen the hack work never came his way it would have been useless if it had done so but advantage was taken by dishonest publishers of the fact that this wish of his had become known to pretend that they had afforded him the opportunity that he desired and that certain hack work such as translations from the classics and from certain french authors suspected of pornographic tendencies was from his pen alfred douglas paints a sorry picture of the poor man in the last year of his life we are to imagine him living on his lordship's charity and spending the douglas arms in drinking in the cafes we have in his book an account of oscar wilde's day in paris he begins his libations at the grand cafe and continues them at the cafe julien as a matter of fact during that last year oscar was making a frantic effort to earn money he was working when physically no less than mentally he was unfit to do so i have on this matter the direct evidence of excellent monsieur de poirier the landlord of the hotel d'alsace whose veracity i absolutely believe he did not know what work it was but that it was not hack work in the ordinary sense of the word is shown by the price paid for it he used to work at nights said monsieur de poirier all night long as a rule he would come in at one o'clock in the morning and sit down to his table and in the morning he would show me what he'd written and i have earned a hundred francs to-night he would say and he seemed pleased and proud to think that he had earned one hundred francs in one night but the man who employed him was very irregular about sending him his money and this used to vex monsieur wilde very much he was always inquiet until the payment came and used to rail against his employer towards the end it became very difficult for him to write and he used to whip himself up with cognac a litre bottle would hardly see him through the night and he ate little and took but little exercise he used to sleep till noon and then breakfast and then sleep again till five or six in the evening this picture is sad enough 
but how different from that painted by his former friend in another respect we see him trying to discipline himself also i mean in his expenditure he tried to school himself to economy just like ernest dowson he writes to smithers who owes him twenty pounds and asks to be paid at the rate of five pounds a week this will keep me all right he says he does not ask for the total amount he hopes to force himself to live on five pounds a week just as dowson hoped to manage on a smaller sum we thus see him struggling to the last he has the envie de bien faire without which a man as the french saying goes is indeed lost he has not degenerated into the alcoholic wastrel as which he has been painted it is recorded of him that in that last year his conversation was more brilliant than ever he refuses to perish altogether we have the testimony of ernest la jeunesse how towards the end quote, he tells all his stories in one breath it is the bitter yet dazzling final piece of a display of superhuman fireworks those who at the end of his life heard him unravel the skein of gold and jewelled threads the strong subtleties the psychic and fantastic inventions with which he proposed to sew and embroider the tapestry of the plays and poems which he was going to write will keep the remembrance of a sight at once tragic and lofty Unquote. i think that he was perfectly sincere in the resolutions made in prison and formulated in de profundis during the short period in which i saw him after his release from prison he was the man that in that book he announced that he was going to be i knew nothing then of those resolutions but obviously some strong moral influence had been at work this influence was that of the long cogitation and final resolve which his prison book exacted it is a pity that those parts of that book which we now know leaving aside the peevish futilities about alfred douglas were not published in his lifetime for they would have delivered a bond to the world it is difficult to keep resolutions which have never been enunciated the public signing of the pledge often saves a man because his amour propre is involved in his mastery of himself the friar keeps his three vows because everybody who sees him knows that he has taken those three vows clandestine resolutions when everything is warring against their observance are but poor restraining forces but not only was de profundis not made public nobody knew anything about it except robert ross the very warder who befriended him and saw him write this work was ignorant as to what he was writing as he told me quote, whilst he was in prison he wrote and wrote and what he wrote about i never knew for i always neglected to ask him Unquote. i do not say that in the main wilde broke the secret promises which he had made to himself he was kindly compassionate and christian till the end but the observance of his vow of humility and poverty which he had frankly accepted was neglected when he found himself unable to break his new-found habits of extravagance one has however to recall that in leonard smithers most profuse and prodigal of men 
he had an almost irresistible tempter ever at his side nor would the society of his noble friend from chantilly with his good things his liqueur variée and his alimosinery thousand-franc notes help him towards the peace which those know who limit their desires End of chapter 25